Hey, Paella Man, wing one up here. I can't believe this place used to be an internment camp. Whatever did you do, Mo? Taking down today's super predators like the electric eel and the flying squirrel. Open wide for some soccer! That's right, everyone. The Springfield Continental Soccer Association brings you a... Hey, everybody, it's Dom DeToll. I'm with the Sports Experience Podcast. Sitting next to my friend Chris Quinn. How are we doing today? Oh, man, we are doing so good. We are Back doing in great. the saddle. Hell talking yes. soccer. Let's I get some soccer going. I kind of want you to do one of those intros and then us going to, like, hockey or something. Oh, and my... people get super... Oh, right. Shit, just did I spoil? Feel that one? How Don't hot. worry, no one's gonna listen. I'm assuming a lot of our listeners are very baked, so I think that would be. Oh, good. it's gonna fucking work so hard. Wait, college football? Exactly. <laughs> oh, All right, let's right. get into it. We're talking about the Danish national team from the '80s to the '90s. It's when. Uh, they kind of blossomed as a soccer in country, if you will. Look, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I don't know a lot, actually really anything about Danish sports. Like when I think Denmark, I think Hamlet or fairy tales like the little mermaid or the type of socialism that Bernie Sanders old cock masturbates to. Like Mm. I think of that when I think of Denmark, but not soccer. Well, here we go. And what I was thinking of is it's a lot like in the United States from 94 to like 2006, where soccer really blossoms in that country. Yeah. But this is where in Denmark, because of various things, like we see Italy, it's always been there. France, it's always been there. But in Denmark, they've really been more of like a hangout kind of culture, if that makes sense. They're like the nice Wooderson. Ooh, I like Outside that. the Emporium. Like, yeah. All right, look at them balls. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, my <laughs> brother. So Danish soccer, and, and we we're going to get right into it. So in 71, they, the Danish Federation allowed players to become professionals. Which is crazy to even think that it's that late. And exactly. And so in 71, that happens. They don't have a league until 78. Yeah, I had read that too. So uh, this this kind February. of... Yeah. This kind of reverberates later on where we see a majority and pretty much all of their good players play outside of Denmark. It kind of reminds me of like the United States during that period. Like, Guys like Alexi Lawless, which we talked about, where he played in Italy, I think. Well, that was our mistake. What we said was he was playing in Italy doing well, and then we called him back for the MLS creation. That was our mistake as the United States. Yeah, you got to let these guys play where they're doing well. Well, you got to let them play in a, in a better league. For the national team. Exactly. Play against better players. So in 78, they finally get a league going, but at that point, pretty much all of their great players play in Madrid, and this is why I love. This is why when I was researching it, I was like, "It's gonna tie back in." Yep. From seventy-five to eighty-two, they've had they had seven players go to Ajax and oh, play under Johan Cruyff. That's always a good decision. And this is why it ties back in because from this decade in the eighties to the early nineties, they're looked at as really in the mid eighties, they're looked at as the Dutch team, but fast forward. That's really fucking cool, though. I so think. yeah, yeah. So we have uh, let me let me get some names: Frank Eason, Yerber Olsen, and Olsen is so good. Jan Mulby and Mulby said, and I said this in the Cruyff episode. He said about Cruyff because they were talking about 
how they kind of came together in this formation that I'll talk about here in a minute. He said like Cruyff was one of the best football minds ever. So this was his quote. He was like a king holding court. He knew everything. You couldn't help but listen. At times you wanted him to shut up, but he just wouldn't. <laughs> and it's great. It's such a Cruyff thing because he knew so much and he just wanted to teach so much. So that's, that's great. That's where this core group of guys come together in the early 80s. Yeah, he's like a Robin Williams and Dead Poets Society. Oh, Everyone man, that's is good. just brainwashed at the end, standing on their desk and kicking goals for Denmark. It's so good. <laughs> but that's that's why I love this because Cruyff has this just like this huge paint splatter of influence all across Europe and United States. So he's like Napoleon without the murder. Mm, yes. Okay. Yes. Without the murder. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so in 78, they, I wanted to talk about this too. Back in 78, they get their league sponsorship and they're such a group of unprofessional soccer players that uh, Carlsberg, the great beer, by the way, the beer company comes in and offers them a million dollars as a sponsorship, which is a ton back then. It's oh, like yeah. nothing now, but it was a ton back then if they put rules in for their professionals. So if they stated rules like you can't go out drinking all night, you can't go out. A can't beer be company saying that? Well, yes, because they felt like the teams were so unprofessional that they okay. they would not be taking be taken be taken realistically it's like those uh always at the ends of those beer commercials it's like yeah you're gonna have sex with beautiful women and have good times with friends please enjoy responsibly exactly <laughs> and that's literally what they wanted because and this is what i one of the other best quotes uh about this team was in 81 82 when they really started yeah. to show people that they were a great team um the quote was uh, as a national or an, they're an international team or excuse me, let me, let me see the quote. Cause I just messed it up. They were an international team in name and a pub team in nature because they just, yeah. and if you look at their, <laughs> they look like uh rock stars of that era with like the shitty mustaches and they're just like smoking cigarettes out there. And they're just like, <laughs> they had this like night club that they went to called the clubhouse that they were like renowned, like every night they would go there. So if like, Tucson Comedy created a rec soccer league. It would be that. Oh my god, a hundred percent. With and we wouldn't even have to change our haircuts. No, not at all. And that's the th yeah. No, I, so that that's why when they started doing well, people are like, "What the hell?" Because they just they were like a pub team. I love teams like that, like the '93 Phillies or even the '86 Mets. Just dudes with guts, dicking around, having exactly. a good time, and winning. Exactly. Johan Cruyff can fix everything. That's what the point of that was. Yes, that's a good that's a good uh, callback on that. Uh, but in '79, they were able to, with this sponsorship money, they were able to hire. Um, I hate to say a non-Danish coach, but a coach with experience. A coach with experience, probably in Europe's top professional leagues. Exactly, yeah. which is really what they needed. Uh, I'm trying to find his name. Uh, Pinotech. I'm saying that wrong. This is hard. Those names are hard, man. I know, and I was trying to uh, practice it before, but then when I get into the limelight, I'm just like, ooh. But yeah, um, he took over in 79, and he immediately complains about pretty much what every manager of the international game complains about. They're like, yeah, I see these guys for like a span of six days for like 
four or five times a year. So I just like, I can't instill them the system that I want. And they're all unprofessional. No cohesion. And they're probably like, I'm here for a week. Who cares? And then he got, this is what I mean was so lucky was they were all, this is like the midfield that I'm talking about was, and the forwards were pretty much all on the Dutch, uh, on the Ajax kind of regiment or in the Dutch league. Yeah. And it really, he as a coach didn't force his schemes on them. He let them play what would be like a, a melding of this Danish Dutch game. Yeah, which let them flourish. Stroop waffle soccer. That's what I'm calling it. Ooh, I like a good Stroop. I'm not going to even lie. A little coffee, a little Stroop. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's kind of interesting because they were literally nobodies. They were the dregs. Yeah. And then in 81, they won eight out of their nine games and world cup qualifying but that amazing that was so they were so bad in the years leading up that that wasn't even good enough oh man and they gave italy their only loss leading up to the world cup oh in 82 and 82 and italy ended up winning yeah that's so and people were looking at that like hold on they beat italy 3-1 like who is this danish (laughs) team like what are we even talking about and that's when in 82, they're um, it actually more like 83. That's when the formation really came to be the first ones really to run three in the back, hmm. five in the middle, and two up front. Okay. And, and that's why it's a Danish-Dutch kind of thing, because they had the Dutch mentality of total football. Yeah. But it was Danish because, and this is why I loved this coach, was he was like, I had seven, eight world-class midfielders. Use them all. I had two, maybe three good defenders. So he took that fourth defender off, and he clogged up the middle, and he let them pretty much play with in you know their understanding of each other. Yeah. And that formation is, I mean, we still see teams play with, play it today. That's cool, man. Yeah. Oh wow, that's sweet. So that's what we see in 83. And then in. Was it? So. 84, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's really, if you think about it, it's every two years we have these giant, you know, tourneys. So. And uh, 84, they go to. They qualify for the Euros that year. Oh, no, no. Yes, they qualify for the Euros in 84. But they did. Um, okay there. Yeah, but they had that big win against England that year, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to look that up. Oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And that was the thing was they had this big win against this powerhouse. So people are like, what is this? And then, so, but the Euros are a tough one. That's all I can say. Yeah. And then in 85, leading up to the World Cup in Mexico, and this is the other thing I wanted to bring up because we were talking about this 86 World Cup with Maradona and Argentina. And in 85, leading up, they had eight games. So like I said, leading up to that last World Cup when they beat Italy, they had eight games. And four of them, they scored zero goals. And in the other four, they scored 17. Wow. And people were saying that once this team 
kind of got fully formed was they were so volatile it's hard to tell if they're going to beat you 5-1 or if you're going to beat them 3 or you know what i mean like yeah it's like a baseball team um like those mid 90s mariners teams that just had i think they had like a year where they had like three guys over 40 home runs and like five guys with six guys with over 20 and it's like they had no pitching Yep. Absolutely no pitching. And it just is volatile up and down. Or like a basketball team that lives on the three the three point line, like Oh yeah, like Houston with yes. all that analytics bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our sports experience podcast is brought to you by Angle Studio here. And uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. And that's really kind of what they were doing because they didn't have the core group of guys, defenders, really, to play this formation, but they still... But you have all those midfielders. Yes. (laughs) And I just wanted to point this out because going into the 86 World Cup, they were looked at as the world's second team. So everybody, like, going into these giant tourneys are like, well, I'm going to root for my team, United States, but I'm also going to root for, you know, Italy. Such and such. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason for that, and this is why I brought it up earlier in the podcast, was they hadn't created their league until 78, even though they let guys be pros for 71. So all of their pros went everywhere else. So for this 86, for this 86 uh, World Cup team, they were champions from Italy, West Germany, England, Holland, and Belgium, and not a single guy from the Danish championship team. That's probably a big reason why they're everyone's second favorite team because maybe another country's favorite player exactly. is a Dane. Exactly. Yeah. And they were the first country to really show this because at this time, other countries weren't, they would have like one or two players go play somewhere else or you know what I mean, of their top players. Yeah, like Argentina with Maradona where he's playing in Italy and well, Spain, yeah. Well, I just mean for like, um, for European teams. Oh, or for European countries, because, okay, yeah. because you would just be like, why aren't you just playing here at home? And they were the ones that realized like, no, we have a league, but it's shit compared to these other leagues. Please go there and be the best you can. And that's why they were so important, because they showed all these other little countries like, no, you can still have giant soccer stars in a second, third rate league. Get ready for success, Luxembourg. Yes, exactly. (laughs) No shit, though, because you look at these countries like Belgium and Denmark who have these unbelievable soccer players and their leagues just aren't that great because they just don't have the people to support there's, it. Yeah, there's, there's no not reason. population yeah. volume there. I mean, like, exactly. But they, yeah. they, that, this is why I love it because the Danish in this era were the first ones to figure it out. And then in the 86 World Cup, in their group stage is some of the best soccer that you'll see from this era. That's awesome. No, that's legit. Who was in their group? All right, so let's go. Is it go that through group it because, of death we've discussed before? Uh, kind of. So I want uh, it is and it isn't. So it's hard to even. We'll get it. So they beat right. Scotland one nothing. Okay. Um, and Scotland was good that year, but not great. That's why kind of they're not group of death. Um, the next game they play Uruguay. Yeah, and they're always and Uruguay good. was supposed to be great that year. Interesting. So, like, they were supposed to be the the top of the league. It was them, kind of, and uh, Germany. We'll talk about next. Um, and they, uh, the Danish, go up one nothing, and they're dominating possession. 
so much that a Uruguay player gets so frustrated that he like has a ridiculous tackle and gets a red card. And a lot of people, because they go go on winning 5-1, and a lot of people are like, yeah, they won 5-1 because he got a red card. And people are like, no, they would have probably won 4 nothing Because they, yeah. were, they were like, that was the thing, was they, were, they would dominate teams because their formation was so unique in the fact that they were so defensive in midfield and yeah. so offensive in midfield. Well, it's wonky. It's like we talked about in the Hawaii episode with that flex bone offense. Exactly prepare for it like you have to prepare for it the week of because nobody else runs it especially in uruguay yeah why would anybody in south america be running this three back weird ass you know what i mean yeah. it was it, that's why i loved the world cup from this era and then they play west germany and so obviously they're neighbors to west germany yeah uh, um, got a lot of land taken in a specific war from germany and they they don't like them very much. They've no. asked to play them in friendlies before. Yeah. Um, especially leading up. So like 80 to 85, they're asking West Germany a lot to play friendlies. And one time West Germany said, okay. And they sent like a C team. Like they sent like their under 20 team. And the Danes beat them, but they were like, yeah, that wasn't your team. And you it was don't almost... consider your verse. Exactly. It was almost disrespectful. So then when they meet them here in, in West Germany, a lot of people thought that they should have taken it off. And teams do this on the third game of the group after they win the first two games because they're already advanced. Yeah. And they feel like you should rest some of your top players. The coach who was German was just like, no, we're going to beat West Germany. That is such a German mentality. And, oh my God. And that's what happens. So they go on and they beat them 2 nothing, but one of their players gets a red card late in the game. Oh, yeah. That, um, that's the suspension card, right? Or we're yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So Sorry. He, he, that's all right. So he, he misses the next game, which is the semis. And that's what people were saying was like, this is great for the Danish mentality, but overall, it probably was a bad tactically a mistake yeah um because this is the other thing was he as a coach like was grueling so he he had this like almost concentration style camp lead up oh my god really? where he had no phones no tvs it was like cement uh rooms that he kept him in and then he went he like kept doing like i think about it like high school football where like now we're doing two a days now we're doing three a days oh, now we're doing four and they knew it was in mexico so he like was getting him to try and train at like high altitude oh, so he god. was it was very like he was very smart in that aspect but some people think they were overworked and so they yeah, had you gotta you gotta play a ton of games in the world cup i mean in a short amount in a of short time. amount of time so they had this unbelievable stent in as the as in the group stage where they played without a doubt the best soccer they meet up with spain in the yeah. semis um spain goes up one nothing and then just the fucking wheels come off and yeah, it five to one yeah. people well, people say they looked tired and that's where it kind of reverberates to the coach. Man, it's one thing to do a curfew. It's another to be like, you're living in the Stone Age. <laughs> yes, yes. And these, that was the other thing was these guys were kind of party guys. So that's why I think he wanted that. But it was also... No, you got to get comfortable, man. You don't, it, I mean, granted, you don't want them coming home at 4 a.m. No, but, but you want to like, unwind a little. Go to the bar, have a drink or two. Like, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. 
So they're eliminated from the 86 World Cup. Uh, just to reiterate uh, from another podcast, uh, Maradona has that. Hand of God. And then uh, beats Spain in the finals. So that's yeah. not the one where he's on. What, <laughs> yeah, horse tranquilizer. Not tranquilizer. Ephedrine. whatever, Ephedrine. Horse, yeah. yeah. Um, but the 86 FIFA report said that the Danish played the best soccer of the whole tournament. Wow. So just because, and this is why I found it so interesting, was uh, Argentina coming into the tournament lost, I think, six of seven. Dang. uh, Denmark won eight of eight, like I said, uh, before. Or not won eight of eight, but like won, uh, I think, four, but didn't lose. Tied. Yes. And the most important thing for these teams is that they play their best soccer at the best time. Yeah. So like if the fucking if the uh 86 World Cup was held in 85, they probably would have won. That's amazing. If no, it's the, it, you got to catch lightning in a bottle in tournaments like that. Especially and then if like the 84 Euros was in 83, they probably would have won. Like that's those those years they were so good and then you just see them just kind of like drop off and you're just like, "No." Oh, weak sauce. Yeah. So, um and this is really where their dominance and these guys they lose their golden generation. Yeah. So in 88, the Euros, they don't win a single game. So they qualify and they're looking good, but you can see by 88, this golden generation is over. Yeah, lost all the group games to Spain, uh, Germany, and Italy, I think. That was the group of death. Yeah. No, that kind of sounds like it from my limited understanding of soccer history. Because people were saying, though, they... If they were going to be the country that, you know, everybody was saying, they should have at least put up a fight and they just kind of got whooped well, in all three games. The old Ric Flair quote, if you're going to be the best, you got to beat the best with a woo at the end. With a woo at the end. <laughs> um, that's pretty good. <laughs> sorry, bro. Um, and then the coach. Uh, oh, sorry. So then they didn't qualify for the World Cup in 90. And this is what I wanted to talk about with the three in the back. Because the German coach ended up quitting when they didn't um, when they didn't qualify, and there was all kinds of bullshit controversy about tax stuff, and he went to he ended up coaching Turkey, but Germany in 1990 ended up pretty much taking their formation and their tactics. Well, they won the World Cup that and year go to, and win the World Cup, yeah. and that's what he said was just like, well, if Denmark had any sense, they would have kept me with my formation. Can't you see Germany won this year? But Germany had the fucking... I was going to say better players. Uh, they had the guys lined up for it. And it was, you know, that Jurgen Klinsmann wonderful, you know, German victory. But that's the thing about the the tactics have to be right and the personnel has to be right. Yeah, so, and that goes for any sport. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that ends us with Denmark uh, getting into the... 92 euros but you know what i feel like that's for another podcast for another podcast everybody thank you all hey everybody this is just a stock message at the end of every episode we hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about just want to say give us a quick follow on all social media we have a youtube channel the sports experience podcast and we're on instagram Totolo dominic and myself sequin comedy so give us a follow all around Um, We're always recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much.